Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Vintage Church is a movement of truth, love, and community. For more information, visit VintageChurchNola.com. Here is this week's message. Can we give it up for the worship band this morning? That was, that was absolutely amazing. Well, good morning, Vintage Church. Um, I'm excited that we have made it to the last Sunday of this year. Is anybody excited about that? You know, we look back over this past year. For some of us, this has been an amazing year. Um, We've seen God do some amazing things. For some of us, um, we've gotten married. For some of us, we've had kids. For some of us, um, we got a girlfriend like myself. Praise the Lord for that. Hallelujah. Um, I could delete my ChristianMingle.com profile. Um, But this has been an amazing year for so many of us. Um, As a church, we've seen people give their life to Jesus. Um, We've baptized people. We've served the community. And we've made it to the last Sunday. It's been absolutely amazing. And, uh, but also, if we're 100% honest, uh, for some of us and for many of us, we, we can be honest and we can say, yeah, John, this has been a pretty year, all right, pretty rough year. You know, for, if we're honest, some of us this past year have um, included a lot of pain, uh, a lot of loneliness, a lot of heartbreak. For some of us, we've, we've lost loved ones. For some of us, we didn't get a job. For some of us, we've lost jobs. For some of us, if we're 100% honest, we've had moments this past year where we felt like giving up. We felt like throwing in the towel. But the good news is that God has been faithful. God has been faithful. And, and we're here today. And uh, I'm just so excited that I had the privilege and opportunity to be able to preach. My name is Pastor John McCann. I have the opportunity to serve here with this wonderful uh, church staff and volunteers. And um, today, uh, we're going to be coming from uh, several passages I want us to walk through. We're going to walk through five different passages, but the first passage we're going to be reading from is Hebrews chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Um, We're going to begin reading at verse 24. If you don't have your Bible, you can raise your hand in the air. Our Connect team's coming down. They would love to place one of these in your hand. We believe there's nothing better that you can do than take God's word home, um, read it, and let it transform your life. So if you've been around Vintage for a while, for the past four years, um, I've had the opportunity to preach uh, our New Year's service, our New Year's Eve service, and I'm super excited. New Year's Eve, a New Year's Sunday service, and I'm super excited to be able to do that again uh, this morning. So I, every time I get up here, I never take it for granted um, that we have, I say it all the time, some of the best if you agree with me, I need you to make some noise. Some of the best <laughs> staff <laughs> and pastors. And I'm so thankful for Pastor Dustin Turner as our lead pastor. I got home yesterday from Mississippi, and I had a card in the mail, a handwritten note um, from Pastor Dustin. So I appreciate him and his leadership. Can we just thank God for him one more time for just leading us by example? Um, and just being so dedicated to, to love and to care for us. And as I think about my time here at Vintage, I've always been encouraged. Um, I came to Vintage uh, about five years ago. And how many people have been here for five years or more? Make some noise. Okay, a few of us. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. I don't know if it's good. No, they're on vacation. The rest are on vacation. Um, <laughs> if you've been here for five or yes, less years, but you love it, make some noise. Absolutely amazing. Um, so I came here five years ago, and when I came here, I had a goal in mind that I was going to stay in the background. 
I was going to hide. I didn't want anybody to know who I was. I didn't want anybody to know my name. I didn't want anyone to know my business. I was going to hide. And, and, and as I started coming week after week, um, I saw a little uh, friend of mine who's a friend now, just looked like he needed a lot of help. His name was Pastor Matthew Weaver. And, <laughs> and although I came here with the goal of hiding and staying in the background, um, God began to speak to me and he, and he shared with me like, John, can't hide anymore. No more hiding. And, and, I, and I started to take a step outside of my comfort zone and what I wanted. And I got involved in, uh, at that time, it was community groups, um, life groups. And I invited other people into my life. And as I invited other people into my life, as I invited community into my life, as I invited um, people to hold me accountable in my life, I was able to see how God used all those people to bring me to where I am today. And as I was praying, because every year before I get up here, I pray and I ask God, God, what is it that you want me to preach on? What is it that as a church that we need to embrace as we go into 2020? Because every time we get ready to go into the new year, we have all these things we want to do. You know, new year, new me. I want to go on a diet again. You know, I want to do this again. I want to be a better uh, husband. I want to be a better wife. I want to be um, a better business owner. I want to be a better follower of Jesus. I want to love people better. I want to forgive people. We have all these things that we want to do. But many, for many of us, we try to do these things on our own. We don't want people in our business. We try to hide. And for a few moments this morning, I want to speak to you from the topic as we get ready to go into 2020 of no more hiding. Look at your neighbor and say, no more hiding. No more hiding. And as I think about this, because we think about all the things that we want to do, next year, all the things that we want to accomplish, all the goals that we have that we want to do for, the, for God's glory. We want to love people more. We want to forgive people more. We want to share the gospel. We want to be bold. We want to do all these things and continue to follow after Jesus. I don't know about you, but for myself, I want to love more like Jesus. I want to look like Jesus. I want to live like Jesus. Does anybody else want that in their life? And as I think about this, and this is going to be our main focus this morning, that sanctification, as we think about our sanctification, we're going to be leaning into this truth that sanctification requires accountability. Oh, accountability. I don't want to be held accountable by anybody. I want to do my own thing. I don't want anybody in my business. But as we look through Scripture, sanctification, that's looking more and more like Jesus. We're going to see all throughout Scripture that when you invite other people into your life, when you are living in community, we see that we can look, live, and love more like Jesus in 2020. And in order for, to do that, we must invite other people in our lives. Think about next year. Think about where you are right now. Who in your life is holding you accountable? You know, and as we think about that, there are two groups of people in here. Some people are like, Pastor John, guess what? 
I'm killing it. I got tons of people holding me accountable. I got someone that texts me in the morning to ask me if I've read my Bible. I got someone else that follows up with me to see how I'm loving on my spouse and how I'm treating my kids. I have someone else that all my secret sin and all the things that I struggle with when nobody is around, I got somebody that I'm completely honest and transparent with, and I'm being completely honest, and I'm killing it when it comes to accountability. Everywhere, I got people in my life that know everything about me. I'm, I'm being held accountable. And if that's you, praise God for you. And that's amazing. And hopefully this message encourages you to keep that accountability at that level. But for most of us, if we're 100% honest, and I will include myself in that number, there's room for improvement when it comes to being held accountable. For most of us, we have things in our life that we really need to invite other people in for, to hold us accountable. And, and the working definition that we're going to be looking at for accountability is an obligation or willingness to accept responsibility or to account for one's action. So what, what is accountability? It is an obligation or willingness to accept responsibility or to account for one's actions. So the question I have this morning is, why should we invite others into our lives for accountability? Like, why? Like, why can't I just do this by myself? Why can't I just have all these goals that, that God wants me to do? And why can't I just love like Jesus by myself? Why can't I just forgive? Why can't I just share the gospel? Why can't I just live life by myself? Why, why do I need accountability? Well, the first passage we're going to be looking at is going to bring this to surface, and that's the first thing, that we need to invite others in for encouragement. That's the first thing. We need to invite others in our life when it comes to accountability for encouragement. Let's look at the, our first of the five passages we're going to be looking at this morning, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 through 25, and let's read it. It says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, so this, this, this passage, if you've been here this past year, as we think about Hebrews, you know we've been um, going throughout this year in a series in Hebrews called Can't Stop. I love it. That's good. That's really good. Oh, y'all pay attention. My self-esteem has been boosted. Um, <laughs> but can't stop, won't stop. And as we look at the book of Hebrews, that's what it's about. It's about holding fast. It's about um, encouraging one another. It's about not giving up on the faith. And right here in this text, um, we see it says, and let us consider. Now, as we look at this word consider, this word consider is only used one other time um, in Hebrews. And that's in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1, um, where it says to consider Jesus. And the reason why it's important for us to look at this word and see how it's used here and how it's used one other time is because when it's used in Hebrews chapter 3, verses 1, um, it says consider Jesus. So Jesus in that passage is the direct object of the thing to be considered. So right here, as we look at this text, let's look at verse 24. Let's look at what it says. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. And what I don't want us to miss here. Um, is that the object of the consideration is one another. Let us consider one another. And if you're not careful, you'll look at this, this passage and, and, and you'll think that it's saying, let us consider to love 
and to do good works for other people. But that's not what it says. The, the focus here is let us consider how to stir up one another. So as we lean into this text, as we think about our lives, as we think about accountability, as we think about inviting others in for encouragement, what the author of Hebrews is telling the church at this, um, through this text, he's telling them that the focus is to encourage other people to become loving. So it's, it's not saying, um, hey, you need to love. We do know that we need to love. But as we look at this text, it's saying, hey, actually, what I want you to do as you're in community, as you're inviting other people in, as you have accountability, as you're doing life with other believers, I actually want you to stir up um, this love and good works in other people. In other people. So we think and we look at this encouragement. And as I think about inviting others in for encouragement, if we're 100% honest, we can have all these things that we want to do next year. You know, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. But how many of you know that life gets hard? Like sometimes, and that's why this, this book, the book of Hebrews is so important because they had people they wanted to give up. And in our life, sometimes we're going to run into seasons, if we're 100% honest with ourselves, where we want to give up. And if we don't have accountability there, we're missing out on the opportunity. We keep everybody at a distance. Distance. We, we're missing an opportunity to have others to encourage us. So, so back, I remember back when I was in high school, um, I, I, I was what I call an uh, um, underrated athlete. And um, one of the sports that I played, I don't know why I did this sport, and I don't know if you could really say played, um, I ran cross country. How many people ran cross country? Make some noise. All right. Thank you, Daniel. <laughs> and us cross-country runners, you know, we practice and we have to run really long distances. And um, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was hard. It was tough. And unfortunately, I don't think this was the sport that God had called me to. But I still did it anyway. So when it came time for the meets, um, if you go to the meet, we had them at City Park on Saturday mornings. Um, if you waited until the very end of the race, after everyone finished, you, you, you didn't want to leave because somebody else was still running. It was me. <laughs> and because of that, I was embarrassed to invite other people to the meets because I knew I was terrible. And to me, when it came to cross country, you're supposed to run the whole time, but for me, I believed in taking breaks. <laughs> so I would take breaks as I would run. I'd take a break, and then I'd run some more. So I didn't want anybody to see this. But one day, I ran into somebody. Like, what are you doing this Saturday? Oh, I'm going to have a cross country. Oh, I'm coming. I'm like, no, don't come. <laughs> they come. So I'm running the race. I feel I'm about to do one of my regular scheduled breaks. <laughs> and they see me, and they see me there along the, the, the route. And they're like, hey, John, oh, keep going, you're doing great. And I'm like, oh, man, they're looking at me. <laughs> so instead of my regular scheduled break, I kept running. And I came in second to last that time. 
But I share that story because by me inviting them in, when I wanted to give up, when I wanted to throw in the towel, they were right there and they were saying, keep on going. And the author of Hebrews is writing this to the church. And as we think about accountability and as we think about inviting other people into our lives, it's so important that we invite them in because sometimes we're going to want to stop. And they'll be there to say, you can keep on going. God still loves you. Your sin is not greater than your Savior. God can still work through this for his glory. I know you feel that you're by yourself, but I'm here to encourage you. And when we don't invite other people into our lives, we miss out on the opportunity to be encouraged. So as we think about accountability, why should we invite others into our lives for accountability? Number one, we invite others in for encouragement. The next thing that we invite others in is we invite others in for support, for support. And the second passage of the five that we're going to be looking at this morning is found in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, uh, verses 9 through 12. How many people spend a lot of time in Ecclesiastes? Well, today you will. So let's, let's, let's begin reading. So we invite others in for encouragement. We invite others in for support. Let's, let's read it. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. So, so here we see this text. It's written by Solomon. And a lot of times when you, when you hear this text, um, you hear it at like a wedding or you hear it in relation to uh, a marriage. And that it is true um, that there is truth in this text that can be applied to a marriage. But whenever you're looking at scripture, you want to read the whole entire context, right? You just don't want to pick it and read it without studying on um, the true meaning. And as you look at this text and as you read chapter 4, um, you can go back to verses 7 and 8 where it says, Again, I saw vanity under the sun. One person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil. So what we see as we get ready to go into this text is that the, the reference that's being made is not necessarily limited to a married couple. Like two, two are better than one is not just as it relates to marriage. It's as it relates to anybody. And, and in this passage we see, it says, for if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. So what we see in this text is that as we are doing life with other people, as we invite other people in for accountability, and we see that another reason why it's so important for us to have accountability is for support. It's for support. And, and, we, and we see that in this text. And as I think about support, sometimes we need support. Life is going to happen, and we're going to need other people in our lives that are close enough that we've invited in to support. I think about just this past year of in this church, we had um, some of our partners um, that had their, their, their loved one, their, 
their parent was dying. They were in the hospital, and, and, and they sent the message to, to, to the pastors, and they were like, hey, it's not looking good. They had their, their family there with them, and, and, and as your pastors, we went over there, and we were able to support them during that time, and their parent ended up passing away, but we were able to go support them and to pray with them. And not only to be there for them, but to be there for their family. Because that was something that was very heavy on them. That burden, that loneliness, that pain of losing someone that had been in their life all that time. But why were we able to do that? They invited us in. If they didn't reach out to us and say what was going on, we wouldn't have been able to go and to serve them. And for many of us, as we think about accountability, we have to be willing to invite others in, to invite them in, because when we invite them in, we also will experience support. So, so why should we invite others into our lives for accountability? The first thing is to invite others in for encouragement, then to invite others in for support. Are y'all ready for this next one? Yes, thank you, Mark. Um, the next one, get ready for this one. We should invite others in for correction. <gasps> John, what are you talking about? I thought I'm supposed to have accountability so people can make me feel better. I thought I'm supposed to have accountability so people can encourage me. You're telling me I'm supposed to have accountability so that someone can correct me? No, I don't want that part. No, you need that part. I want us to look at a passage found in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 7 through 9. So a little context here of what's going on. Uh, King David, you know, the David that killed Goliath, for those who aren't familiar, he then later became a king. And he was out and about in his quarters looking around, and he saw a dime <laughs> in his eyes. He saw Bathsheba. and He says... I want her. And because he was the king, he got her. She ended up getting pregnant. He ended up making sure that Bathsheba's husband got killed. So this is the context of this passage. And then we see, let's read it. So Nathan comes to him and right before this, and he kind of gives him a story and then David's like, who is this? Do we need to do this and that? And then we pick up at verse 7, and it says, Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. And I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the, of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? So we see this, guys. We see that we invite others in for encouragement. We invite others in for support, and we invite others in for correction. Who was Nathan? Nathan was a court prophet. He was a close advisor to, to David. He was someone that he had, David had invited in to consult him. And we see that in this text, 
him, David, having this accountability, having people around him, we see as the Lord instructs Nathan, Nathan goes and he holds King David accountable for his actions. We see that here in this text. And the truth of the matter is we have all these things that we want to do in our lives and we want to love like Jesus, we want to live like Jesus, and we want to look like Jesus. But the truth of the matter is that all of us at times need correction. We all need correction at times. Because at the end of the day, um, if, if you're not willing to confront um, those areas, there would be lack of correction. And why do we need correction? Because there's something called a blind spot when you're driving. And in your blind spot, and the truth of the matter is we all have a blind spot. We might not see it, but there are areas in our life that we need to be held accountable for. And if we don't see our blind spot, if someone doesn't tell us about it, we put ourselves and everyone else around us in danger. And a lot of times when it comes to correction, we don't want to be held accountable. We don't want anyone to correct us. But I want to encourage and challenge you when someone corrects you, that correction is not intended um, to make you bitter. It's intended to make you better. We need to embrace that correction. We need to embrace it. Correction isn't meant to beat you down. It's meant to build you up. And as we think about having accountability in our life and having someone that we're accountable for, we are inviting them in not only to um, encourage us and support us, but we are inviting them in to correct us. Because there are some things that we cannot see ourselves. As a staff, we do something every year called 360 evaluation, where we invite other people in to speak into our lives, things that are good and things that we need to work on. Because God uses correction. He uses other people to correct us as part of our sanctification process. So we, we, we looked at those three things. So why should we invite others into our lives? For encouragement, for support, and for correction. And then the last thing I want to end with is how should we invite others into our lives for accountability? And we're going to look at two passages on how we should invite others in our lives for accountability. The first one is that we should invite others in with honesty. With honesty. Like we should, um, you know, if I have you as an accountability, if you're in my life and you're supposed to hold me accountable and, and I'm trying to lose weight and uh, you, you call me and you ask me how the diet's going and I'm at Popeye's eating a fried chicken sandwich with wonderful customer service. <laughs> and I say, it's going great. They're like, how's the eating going? Great, I'm eating a salad. <laughs> that lack of honesty is going to help nothing. <laughs> so as we think about accountability, there's this, 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 this responsibility of how we should invite others in. It should include honesty. Let's look at James. This is the fourth of our fifth um, passages we're going to look at, James chapter 5, verse 16. And James is writing to them, and he says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. So as we look at James chapter 5, um, the previous verses, you know, leading up to this, uh, James, he asks them to respond to trouble by praying to God. He he asked them to respond to cheerfulness by singing songs of praise and to respond to illness or spiritual weakness by calling for the elders of the church. And now we get here where he says that they need to confess their sins to one another. When they've done someone wrong, they need to be able to confess it. And as we think about this, we have to, he gives two things. He says, confess 
our sins to each other and to pray for each other. Do you know that in order to confess your sins to someone, there's this level of honesty that has to be there? You have to be willing to be transparent. Because if you want to uh, have accountability in your life, but you don't want to be honest, as James is instructing them, there's this level of honesty that they have to have to confess their sins to one another. You're going to miss the point. And, and, and I'm reminded, for those of you um, who have been here a while, uh, you may, it has been a couple years since I've shared this, but um, you almost lost this pastor a couple years back in Lake Pontchartrain. I went selling with one of my partners, and I wanted to get something called a boomerang for Instagram. Now, I've been off of social media now for three months. Isn't that amazing? I'm so proud of myself. Oh, maybe I should stay off. Thank you. I maybe I should stay off. <laughs> but I've been off no social media for nearly three months now. But at that time, I was all over social media, so I wanted a boomerang. To make a long story short, in an attempt to get this boomerang video for Instagram, I did not have a life jacket. So I jump in the water, and kid you not, this wind comes out of nowhere, and it takes the sailboat off. So I'm sitting there in Lake Pontchartrain. It was me and another guy both jumped in. The sailboat is sailing away. I'm sitting there with no life jacket. They're like, don't worry, John. We're going to come back and save you. I'm like, yes, thank you. Come back and save me. But guess what? The engine wouldn't start on that sailboat. So I'm sitting there in Lake Pontchartrain. It's me and another guy. And I heard that Lake Pontchartrain has sharks in it. And the sharks like dark meat. And I was darker than the guy I was with. So <laughs> the sailboat is going off into the distance. Finally, the engine comes back on. And they're coming back to get us. Some people who were on the boat say that it was only three minutes. But the truth is that it was more like 20 minutes. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Not that long, but it felt like it. The boat comes back. It's nearly like from me to that door. It's coming back, and they're like, swim to us. I'm like, swim to y'all. I've been treading this water. So I take this attempt to swim to them. I'm swimming for my life. The other guy makes it to the boat. I don't make it to the boat. So then at this point, I like flop on my back, and I'm thinking it's over. The guys on the sailboats are laughing. They're like, oh, <laughs> look at John. Meanwhile, I literally, I'm not exaggerating. I was about to go under. So I look at them. I'm like, hey, guys. I was trying to stay cool, calm, and collected. I'm like, I'm about to go under. This is not, I'm serious. Like, I'm about to go under. I can't do it much longer. And then all of a sudden, they, you know, they stop laughing. They throw me everything, and they get into, like, panic mode. But why do I share that story? Because I was in a situation where I had to be honest with them to let them know that I was about to drown. It didn't make any sense for me to sit there and go along like, ha yeah, this is funny. I'm glad y'all are having a good time. No, I had to be honest with them. And they were able to save me. And I'm here today to tell the story. And I'm thankful for that. But what if I wasn't honest with them? And what I, what I want you to, to realize is for some of us in life, um, we're not honest with people when we're sitting there drowning in fear. Drowning in sin. Drowning in addiction. Drowning in not sharing the gospel. Drowning in not loving other people. 
drowning in unforgiveness, drowning in selfishness, drowning in all these things that God doesn't want us to be in. And instead of being honest and saying, hey, I'm drowning, I need your help, we just sit there and have accountability and no honesty. But as we invite others in, we must invite them in with honesty. And then the very last thing on how we should invite others in as we get ready to go, is we should invite others in consistently. Consistently. Let's, let's read Acts chapter 2, verses 46 through 47. It says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So in this text, guys, this is talking about the early church. Earlier in chapter 2, we see how um, the Holy Spirit comes, and we see all these things happening, and we see the church growing, but, and we see them in community. We see them doing life with other people. We see them inviting others in. But I want to put your focus on the very beginning, and it says, and day by day, there was this love of consistency. And if we're going to embrace and invite other people into our life for next year so that we can love and so we can live and we can look like Jesus. There must be honesty, but there also must be consistency. Consistency. Like, that's why we have V groups and life groups um, here at Vintage Church, so that there's some level of consistency where you are at least around other people. The consistency matters. So, so, so we see that, and as we get ready to close I just have a closing challenge for you. The first thing I want, because we think about next year, it's great. We, we all want to look like Jesus. We all want to love like Jesus. We all want to live like Jesus. But I have a closing challenge for you. I want you to identify at least one area in your life that you need accountability for in 2020. Do you need to read your word more? Do you need to pray more? Do you need to love more? Do you need to share the gospel more? Do you need to be more open about those broken places that you don't want anybody else to know about? For me, it's going to be multiple things that I know that I need accountability for in my life. And I really will encourage you to think about all the areas that you need accountability for in your life. But that's overwhelming. I want you to at least, we have a few days left of this year. Before we go into next year, I want you to take inventory of your life and to see what is one area in your life that you need accountability for in 2020. The second thing I want to encourage you with is to invite someone in your life to hold you accountable for that area. Like you can identify what it is, but I want you to invite somebody in your life. Because this is the truth of the matter. You can be here. This is great. But you can also be like I was, just sitting in the back, wanting to hide, not letting anybody in. But I want you to be able to invite someone in. And the last thing I want to encourage you with and challenge you for is to pray for the, that the accountability will make you look, live, and love more like Jesus. Because that's the point. As we think about finishing this year, as we think about all this stuff, I don't know about you, but this past week as I was just praying and reflecting, I really want more of Christ in my life. Some of us, we've been following Jesus for a long time. Some of us, we're giving it a try. But I want more of Jesus in my life. I want more of him. Do y'all want more of Jesus in your life? It's not just going to happen. There's a cooperative work. We're saved by faith. But after we are saved by faith, we have a responsibility to invite people in for accountability. I want to close with this story. 
Many of you know, I grew up in like a middle class neighborhood in Kenner. And I love Kenner. And I'm trying to convince my girlfriend that one day after we get married, we should move to Kenner or Metairie. She's not buying it. Although it is America's greatest city, as the sign says. I see a Kenner Knight over there. But growing up in our neighborhood, we had a lot of friends and people would come over to our house, different parents, and they would talk to my mom. And I started noticing that sometimes when my mom would have the people come talk to them, she would be standing out there on the porch talking to them for hours, just standing there talking to them for hours. And then sometimes they'll come over and she'll invite them in. And I started noticing a trend that when the house was dirty, that's when she would stay outside and talk to them. And when the house was clean, that's when she would invite them in. But something started happening. After they get finished hanging out, the neighbor would be like, hey, we should catch up next week. I'll come stop by and say hello. So she knew that they were coming, and because she knew that they were coming, despite her house not being in order, because she knew that they were coming, she would make sure that she had her house in order before they came in. And then when they came and knocked on the door, instead of leaving them outside, she would say, you can come in. And that's my prayer for us as a church, that when people come into our lives and we invite people in our lives for accountability, when they're knocking on the door, we won't leave them on the porch. We will say, you can come in. We will invite them in consistently. We will invite them in. And as we invite them in, we'll make sure our house is in order. In 2020, will you invite others into your life with accountability so that we can look more like Jesus, love more like Jesus, And live more like Jesus. Let us pray. Dear Lord God, I thank you so much for this word that you got. I know, dear Lord God, for many of us, this, this, this call to accountability might be uncomfortable. But I pray, dear Lord God, as we pray and as we seek your face and as we desire to look more like you, dear Lord God, I pray that we will embrace accountability in our lives. I pray, dear Lord God, for those errors that we have that we don't want anybody else to know, God, those errors that we want to keep on hiding. I pray, dear Lord God, that we will stop hiding and we will invite other people into our lives. We were not meant to do this alone. So I pray, dear Lord God, that everyone in this room, everyone that's watching online will be encouraged and challenged to invite people in for accountability, God. And as we invite people in for accountability, God, I pray that you would use them in our lives so that we can live out and do all the things that you have called us to do for your glory and for your glory alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray.